0: Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Today I'm joined by Moby. I had him on the show today to talk about his new documentary film, Punk Rock Vegan. The film will have its premiere and be the opening night film for the 2023 Slamdance Film Festival on January 20th in Park City, Utah. The film, which is Moby's directorial debut, is a passionate and stylistically idiosyncratic look at the ongoing relationship between the worlds of punk rock and animal rights. It includes interviews with some of the biggest names in punk and rock history, like Ian MacKay, HR, David Navarro, Ray Capo, Andrew Hurley, Tony Canal, and so many others. I mean, if you have any interest in punk rock music, or hardcore punk specifically, there will be a lot in this film for you. Uh, Moby tells the story of how punk rock became such a fertile and surprising breeding ground for vegan activism. Uh, It's also a call to action, unapologetically reminding people that in a deeply broken world, it's incumbent upon us to stand up and fight intelligently and passionately and loudly against injustice. In the spirit of punk rock, Moby will be giving away the film for free following the Slamdance premiere. To learn more about the film's premiere at Slamdance, find out more by going to slamdance.com. Tickets and passes for in-person and virtual screenings, as well as detailed accessibility information, are currently available. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Hello. Hey, Moby. How are you today? Fine, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I had a chance to watch the film last night, and absolutely loved it um one of the first things i was struck by was the humor in the film which was something i wasn't expecting and how deliberately you inject humor into this as a way to um i guess bridge over parts of the film that might be um expository at times and could you just talk a little bit about the idea of putting humor in a film that's about a very serious subject
1: yeah um (laughs) Uh, yeah it's a little bit tricky because that was actually one of the when I first started screening it for friends to get some feedback a few people had that as a criticism um, because obviously the, the interviews are incredibly earnest and some of the subject matter is so earnest and serious and dark and a lot of the interviews you know the interview the people we interviewed are so I don't know eloquent that I you know felt a little bit like nervous and cautious introducing my stupidity and ridiculousness (laughs) around it like I mean to be honest there used to be a little bit more of my stupidity and ridiculousness and i had to pare it back we had like a cartoon that i had to take out because it was really just you know going going way too far in the stupid ridiculous direction um but what i was hoping to do is and again like it's 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 a tricky thing for me to talk about because i don't have much if any confidence as a filmmaker like i'm not really a filmmaker i don't imagine i i you know who knows maybe i'll make more movies but it's certainly like if i if i never make another movie i won't be surprised um so
0: i hope that's not the case by the way i i think i I really enjoyed this I, i see a lot of films and i feel like the to somebody who grew up loving punk rock one of the things that uh, the biggest takeaway for me from being a kid that was involved in that scene was really the do-it-yourself attitude, and I feel like this movie is so much a expression of you. The thing that I took away from punk rock was it doesn't necessarily matter how polished it is. Is are you saying something that you mean? Do you believe in what you're saying?
1: Well, thanks. Um, and was- yes, I mean that is, you know, it's funny because that was such an essential integral aspect to state the obvious of that the the punk rock ethos especially the american hardcore punk ethos you know you made the flyers in your friend's dad's office after hours if you could sneak in maybe if you saved a dollar fifty go to kinko's um you know you had the shows at some local bar where they wouldn't check IDs too closely. And maybe if you were lucky, you could pay a band $10. You made the t-shirts at your high school silk screening lab. Like everything was yeah. DIY in the truest sense of DIY. And then for me, the extension of that was a bit after I sort of left the punk rock world in the late eighties, I was, a uh, student at SUNY Purchase, State University of New York at Purchase. And I had a bunch of friends in the experimental film program. And so we sort of took that the DIY punk rock approach and started doing making all sorts of very weird experimental DIY films, you know, with like a Super 8 camera or one of my friends had a Bolex and we would save up money to buy 16 millimeter film and develop 16 millimeter film. But I thought that's how you make a movie. (laughs) Like, you know, I was like, well, this is how you make a movie. Like you, you get a camera, you learn how to use the camera, you go out and you shoot and you see what happens. And so in making this movie it never really dawned on me to do it in a more professional way because my own my only experience with filmmaking was at SUNY purchase in the late 80s and then into the early 90s of hey if you want to make a movie you get your friends together and you make a, a movie and hopefully it's earnest and hopefully it's charming and hopefully there's endearing aspects to it and But then the other, sorry for tangentially rambling on too much, but the the other sort of utility of that or utilitarian facet of that is by making this movie with that old punk rock DIY approach, it meant that it didn't cost anything to make, you know, the total budget for this movie, I think all total, including legal expenses will definitely be less than a hundred thousand dollars. Oh my God. And the, the good, the great part about that. And, and it's a tricky thing for me to talk about. Cause I don't, I understand some people might say that this is a function of privilege and I wouldn't disabuse them of that notion, but nonetheless, I wanted to keep the costs as low as possible so that we could approach the distribution in whatever way made the most sense for the movie, as opposed to, as we all know, Most filmmakers, by the time they're looking for distribution, like they've mortgaged their house, they've maxed out their credit cards, they've sold kidneys, they've done everything to pay for the movie. And as a result, they're understandably panicked and they're desperate to try and make back something from what they've spent. But I thought with this, like, let's make it for as inexpensive as possible, you know, do everything ourselves, make it inexpensively so that way. We can give it away. We don't have to worry about monetizing it because we haven't really spent that much to make it.
0: How are, are you planning on distributing it uh just through the website? I know it's going to be at slam dance. You're premiering there, but then after that, it's going to put up on put it up online and whatever happens to it happens to it at that point.
1: Yeah, my my goals are, I'd say, threefold or twofold, threefold. One is ideally to put it out there in a way that anyone can watch it, that there's no barrier whatsoever to anyone wherever they are being able to watch it Two, one of my strange goals is I hope to never be in a situation where I can make money from this. Um, and that's an approach that I've taken with a lot. Like with, I used to have a vegan restaurant in LA and my approach was the same thing. It's like, it's driven by activism and you know, my last remaining shreds of conscience prevent me from doing, from monetizing activism. Like it just makes me, yeah. it it makes me kind like the thought of the level, the levels of disingenuousness that would be involved in trying to monetize activism make me so deeply uncomfortable. Like I don't even know if I'm necessarily a moral or ethical person but trying to monetize activism makes me like it, it makes my spleen ache it feels so gross
0: yeah it's it's um i don't think you get much ickier than that it's just it's gross it, it doesn't feel right um and that was the i was introduced to activism through punk rock it was going to the back of the room at shows and there would be tables for you know animal rights would be tables for amnesty international it was Greenpeace, kinds of things when i was a kid that i got introduced to them and when i really was attracted to punk rock for the hedonism it was other things ended up being the takeaway and i think your film is this wonderful reminder of in our teens and 20s that maybe somebody like me who's 46 let go of a little bit. And I was deeply inspired by this movie so much so that I actually, um, have engaged with, um, some volunteer work that I, I, you know, that I haven't done in years. And it's something where I just, I felt like helping with political campaigns, doing those kinds of things. That was enough. And I, I know I need to do more on the local level. So thank, thank you for reminding me that I could do better.
1: Oh, well, I'm, I'm presumptuously, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm proud of you. That's great.
0: No, well, no, th- thank you for saying that. But it's just it's it's honestly, it's one of those things when you have I have kids, and I come to realize that I let that focus around them that I, I want. I think that when I was a teenager, very much defined by the things that I took in, the art that I consumed, the movies that I saw, the music that I listened to, and came this focus once I had kids of making them that think into the world. Mm-hmm. And now I want to help shape just an ethical people, and I think that through leading through example and showing them those things, that's really important. And that you know, showing like this is a good way to have them engage with that as well.
1: Oh, well, that's. I mean, ultimately, that is definitely one of the goals. Is like reminding myself and reminding other people that <laughs> things. Oh my. My earbuds falling out. Okay, I hope I'm on my back. I think no, you're back. good. You're good. Um, yeah, is the and some of this is going to sound very self-evident or cliche, but like you know, we live in such an overwhelming time. You know, where there's so much information, and and there's so much fear, and there's so much compromise. And some of it I, I can't judge it because obviously my circumstances are different than other people's circumstances. So like when I look at you know friends of mine who are struggling to make ends meet and they are struggling to make mortgage payments or pay the rent, like I understand, like they don't, you know, necessarily have the emotional, spiritual, temporal bandwidth to extend to punk rock activism. But you know. Th- Again to state the obvious, the world requires punk rock activism at this point. Like it's, yeah. you know, the people who are destroying the world need to be stopped, you know, like and I had this moment a few years ago. It was before the pandemic, I was at someone invited me to a Grammy Awards watching viewing party. And it made me so disgusted. Like I was just and and it's, it's a he, I'm I'm hesitant to talk about it because I don't want to sound too judgmental or critical, but musician after musician got on stage to just promote themselves to just you know the wealthy musicians were just trying to gain get more money the the musicians who were already on the receiving end of so much attention were just trying to get more attention
0: today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by bookman's i'm joined today by my son jacob jacob say hello to people oh there you go you're already on it so jacob when you go to bookman's what is it that you like to look at what do you like to get
2: to get toys uh, and movies and, and the coffee
0: news. You like to look at the movies and you like to get the coffee news, the newspaper they have out front. That's yes. great. So last time we went into Bookman's, I picked up a movie. Um, what movie did I get, Jacob? A
2: from New York, but that's the name as it hurts of the uh, X... Ex- cover.
0: Sorry. Sorry, I so that. No, no, you're okay. Would you talk a little bit about what you see on the cover of Escape from New York on this Blu-ray that I got? So,
2: based on this cover, you see glass shattered and also the Statue of Liberty's face fell apart because in this movie, Escape from New York, is the introduction is a man trying to save the president's daughter and New York's turn's into a poison in this movie, and there's the hero, as you can see, very strong, in fact. Oh,
0: yeah. Now, this is one of my favorite movies. I love this movie. Now, you're too young to watch it because you're only six years old, but do you think in a couple years from now, when you get a little bit older, you'll want to check out Escape from New York?
2: Yes!
0: Okay. What's a movie that you've seen that we picked up at Bookman's that you like? Come here. Talk so that people can hear you.
2: Little Shop of Horrors. Little
0: Shop of Horrors. That's a great movie. So... When you're going to Bookman's, you can get movies, DVDs, Blu-rays, 4K, Laserdisc, VHS. You can also get comic books, books, newspapers, magazines, home furnishings. Uh, You can get tons of stuff there. Because remember, Bookman's has your cool covered. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show.
1: Thanks. Bye. Bye.
2: Yay, that was a good idea.
1: And I felt guilty being so judgmental, but like apart from... Kendrick Lamar, no one was saying anything like you know, these platforms of reaching hundreds of millions, if not billions of people. And they were all just saying nothing, you know, talking loud and saying nothing. And I just like, what happened? Like, where's, where's the Joe Strummer? Where's the Neil Young? Where's the Ian McKay? Where's, you know, the John Lennon, where's the, the you know, the Chuck D like, where did they go? Like what happened? to that spirit of, like, proud, you know, confrontation, that ethical confrontation of saying, you know, we do not want to accommodate a culture we don't respect. And it was just this really disgusting moment. And I walked out of this party, and I was like, why? Like, how in the world could I even tangentially be involved in this corporate culture? That is so ethically irresponsible at this point.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's something that's hard to square sometimes. Um, when you have, that, there's music that I listen to that it's, it's sort of, it's empty calories. It's something that's not going to make me, better. it's not going to enrich culture, but it's something that I can listen to and it just feels disposable, but it doesn't, it's not something I think about um years later i think what you did in this film i I don't want to give away a specific moment but the way you handle cats and dogs is actually it's hilarious but it's also incredibly profound and it allows somebody that maybe didn't take the time to read liner notes or to actually listen to the words that are more difficult to understand in another format in the original format of the song to see how powerful those words are And it's something that is, you know, both funny and powerful and profound at the same time. And I think that's a really tough thing to pull off. And despite your um, modesty around the film, I think that right there alone is just, that's an incredible moment in this movie.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks. I mean, it was, it's definitely hearkening back to, you know, the good old days at SUNY Purchase in the late eighties, where my friends and I would be like, okay, what is something ridiculous we can do? It's like, okay, let's go to the roof of the abandoned factory in January and take off all our clothes and throw rocks at each other and see what happens. like and film it and play it backwards., yeah. which, might, which actually did happen. Um, like the just the, the ridiculousness of being like, okay, let's take this punk rock song and get a friend of mine to do a choral version of it. And then round up a bunch of people I've never met to drive 90 minutes away to perform a lip synced version surrounded by rescued cows. Like it's it really is that this like, I don't know, either something's very wrong with me or it's definitely like I'm I'm channeling that Dadaist ridiculous (laughs) almost like that fluxus approach to just like let's just do shit and see what happens and worst case scenario is we completely fall flat on our face but at least we tried
0: no but and and i i love that about it and there's several moments in the movie like that that i think absolutely they are just pushing that envelope of um I, i never feel like it's distracting from the interviews themselves. I feel like it's something that actually balances out really well um, because you can, there, there's a point where you can push too far on one side or the other. I think where you, and you found a balance here that's really good where if it's too much of a soapbox, then maybe listen. Um, but if it's too silly, maybe people won't pay attention.
1: You well, it's this- funny that you hearing you say that you're describing something like, you know, growing up, in and around the punk rock world that that's we'll call it not even the sacred and the profane but like the serious and the ridiculous was such a part of that culture and i weirdly i'd never even thought about it until you just said it but thinking of like even like black flag damaged
0: oh god yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. some of the
1: songs are so dark and earnest but then there's tv part yeah you know, same band, same people, Greg Jin, Henry, um, Rollo, I guess that was Des Katina on guitar, like the famous black flag lineup, like so powerful and earnest, but then also super goofy at times. Um, and I I mean, even minor threat, like you know, super earnest and serious, but then also, you know, covering one, two XU. Yep. Um, so like Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. The, you know, there were some, I mean, like, it's funny, like earth crisis were one of the bands who were like, I mean, like so influential, so powerful, so unapologetically vegan. And they, it's hard to find a lot of levity in their work. But when I was talking to Scott un, unprovoked, he even sort of mentioned, he was like, yeah, maybe we could have done with a little more levity at times. I don't necessarily think so, but, It is maybe unconsciously, I was sort of channeling that sacred, you know, the sacred and the profane ethos that was such a baked in part of the hardcore scene.
0: That's that's just part of the, even on a bigger level, it's something that's also deeply human. It's the way that we process. It's the way that we handle incredibly difficult times. You know, you go to a funeral. If you were close with this person, you're going to share stories that make you laugh. You're going to have, it's a deep. Yeah, laugh in that moment. And I think when you're handling something very serious and, you know, once the doors are closed and the outside world isn't looking, you need to laugh about the absurdity of this situation. You know, you look at a band like Guar; they always had that balance in there where some of the stuff was, it was absolutely social commentary, but it was done at the most absurd way possible. And they did have that. I, I, to me, they feel like one of those bands that were filmmakers really in their hearts to some degree where they were kind of doing this experimental stuff and i think that that i i really personally respond to that kind of thing things that take themselves seriously um or they take their audience seriously enough not to insult them by preaching to them um the clash also were another one of those bands that had stuff that was absolutely hilarious in one verse and the ne- the thing that was right next to it would be deadly serious you know and i i just I, that's what I enjoy, and I think your film absolutely falls into that line. So I, th- I hope this isn't the first and last
1: for you. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the the. Well, first of all, mention Guar because the best live show I've ever seen in my entire life was Guar at the Limelight in probably '93 or '90. Oh, it was I, I unbelievable, this- like like. When, when Odorous urungus passed away, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, let's take a moment because, yeah, Guar were f- like, I actually was such a fan, I bought their records. Like, I think uh, I might be the only person on the planet who's actually bought a Guar record. But guilty. Um, I, I,
0: I think I have three of them still somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My, my favorite band from Antarctica. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but the Joe, there's a Joe Strummer quote that has been running through my head lately around which is you know um from white man and hammersmith pele when he says if adolf hitler showed up today they'd send a limousine anyway and with all the stuff going on with elon musk and with whatever i'm like oh there's there are no standards people just worship fame and money like it like and that that line just keeps going like it i feel like he was so prescient In so many ways, but especially just sort of like that understanding of like what actually drives culture. I mean, if you go back and listen to the first, I mean, Give Them Enough Rope is a a nice record. But like the first, you know, The Clash and then London Calling, they're just so majestic. London Calling, I mean, there isn't a mediocre song on the entire record like it, even when you're uh, sorry for rambling on about them but like oh, as no, you I, get to the end of that record you're like how are like the last four record four songs on that record are were huge hits yeah like who could do that who would be that good as to make a double record where like and bury those songs yeah, like so remarkable
0: I mean, my son's middle name is Strummer. So if you want to have that, it's Joshua Strummer Maynard. That's his middle name. So <laughs> I'm absolutely open and up for that conversation all day long. Yeah. But um, I, I know we're at the end of the time here, but I just, I, I love this movie. Moby, I think you did a great job with it. And I really do. Um, I, I'm recommending that people check this one out. I don't think you necessarily have to um, have been deep, hardcore scene to appreciate this. Um I, I think that this is one of those films that uh, people will be for years to come. So congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. It. I mean, special. the
1: one thing, the one last thing I will say yeah, that, that is sort of both what made me want to make the movie, but also that I've been surprised by is apart from you and me and a few other people who grew up in this scene, no one knows that the world of punk rock was like ethical and principled and concerned with activism and animal rights. Like I did an interview yesterday with this, woman who's this wonderful militant vegan who had no idea she thought punk rock was like scary people spray painting walls while wearing black leather jackets i was like yeah but that's not really what was good like
0: it was it was a part of it there were those people for sure but no i mean like ian that that was i mean i was from delaware that those were the those were the guys that were the the people that I looked up to that were the generation before me that were and showed us how to do it. And that, you know, shows were $5 and all those things. And that it just, that's how it was deeply, deeply ethical to the point that it was an, an incredibly high standard to live up to. And where the reward was just the feeling that it wasn't fame. It wasn't money. It wasn't comfort necessarily. It was just that you went to bed feeling that you were doing the right thing. So I, I, it's, yeah, um, I, it, it is surprising though, that, that's, that that wasn't the takeaway from it because that that was the world that I lived in for a long time.
1: Uh, yeah, me too. So, But thank, well, thank you thank for you. for letting
0: me go back to that world for a little while, <laughs> I appreciate it, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it was honestly a really great pleasure speaking with you.
0: You as well, you as well. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, okay. Bobby. Thanks, man. Okay, thanks. Uh, bye-bye. Bye.
2: Time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope